0: Father God, thank you for gathering us, that we can be here together. Using this means is a great blessing to us, and I pray, Father, that it would be a blessing to you as well as we uh, open our hearts to your word today. Please enable me to speak those words of truth uh, clearly and uh, appropriately and to good effect. So, Father, I just would ask that for your glory. Father, I pray for our nation and and our people, uh, so many are being led astray by the forces of evil and Father, I just pray that you would guide and direct and lead intersect with the lives of many in these days that they might know your word your your the truth of the gospel and uh, uh, open their hearts to you, and also know clearly what the enemy is doing to destroy the hearts and minds of our people. And we're very concerned about, of course, our children, Father, and uh, the influence that the world system is having on them, even in our Christian homes. So, Father, I just pray that the uh, the various gateways uh, that Satan uses, would for those we love and care so much for that those gateways would be blocked somehow that their minds might be protected from the evils uh, that surround them and from the evil one father i pray the evil one would be delivered from our nation and not not have the kind of power that he has so often had and clearly still does Father I I pray for the survival of our nation and it was as it was founded. I thank you Father as we are in many places even today celebrating Veterans Day that uh, thank you Father for all those that have served so, so honorably and in many cases to great personal loss. And uh, Father I pray that they would be honored pro- appropriately. Uh, mm-hmm as is right and good. And we thank you for each one that served, Father. And for those of us that did not serve, Father, uh, we, we just uh, feel a special a burden, Father, for those that have. And we're so thankful. Father, pray for Roy and his health circumstances, also for the health of his helper, Andrea, that she'd soon be able to get back and uh, provide those services that roy desperately needs and and father we pray for roy's health which uh, varies from day to day and there are long-term issues father and i pray that this new neurologist would have great insights into those and be able to be your instrument in helping roy uh, deal with these challenges he faces father i pray for uh, ben and tim as they work out in this hard program uh that you would sustain, uh I mean, Charlie, Charlie and, and Tim, that you'd sustain Charlie through this. And uh, we're so thankful, Father, that Ben is doing so well there at Pensacola. Pray that you'd, in the appropriate timing, bring him home for fellowship again there uh, at home. Father, I pray for Linda's, circumstances there with her dog that you give her wisdom and and that she'd know how to proceed there pray father for charlie and may that you would continue to bless them may they have great days together and and special times often as charlie's cancer uh, is responding currently at least to the the, uh, radiation that he's received And I pray, Father, that uh, that would continue and that will would be done there. And most of all, that you would encourage them together. They've been such an encouragement to us, and I pray that we would be to them, too, these days. Father, thank you again, and uh, may we open your word together with joy and expectation. We would uh, ask this, Father, in Christ's name. today we continue paul's letter to the philippians and specifically the witness of the apostle paul and um, this will be part 2 of what we started last time which is losing all but gaining christ and uh what paul writes about that here is, is so powerful and uh, i i just uh, i find it uh Powerful in many ways, on many planes, many dimensions, the way it communicates so effectively to us what it means to have the mind of Christ. Remember, that was the uh, the exhortation. Let this mind be in you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. This mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And that has set the stage for the rest of this letter. It's a great exhortation indeed and, uh, leads us here today to consider the practical implications of it all. We began this last time, but Paul writes very specifically about it, very much in detail, about his own life and, uh, what it means by his example, what it means to have that mind which is Christ's and the way that affects our lives here on this earth. Uh, this whole thing may seem to be so far beyond our capabilities that we tend to shy away from it altogether. Uh, to have the mind of Christ, I mean, does that seem even like a possibility to you? I'm sure it may seem to be uh, impossible. <clears throat> Uh, Christ is uh, the second person of the Trinity. He is entirely God as well as man today. The man God, the God man, right? Um, so how can we be like him would be the question. Certainly uh, like him in his thinking, going back there into heaven, even beyond, before, even before the incarnation right remember we looked at all that previously i hope you remember uh, uh, that paul uh, shared some precious things with us there uh, that we looked at last couple of weeks but now he becomes very practical and the way he's going to do that is by speaking about himself this is not because he's exalting himself it's rather christ himself worked in and through Paul to make him our example. In other words, Christ's testimony and his witness, his own witness, uh, has been transferred now to Paul, and Paul now is able to recommend himself to us that we might uh, learn from him. But it all came through a great emptying, that was the word we used, a great emptying, and all of that needed to precede glorification. So there was a seven-fold emptying, you remember, of Christ himself. And then what's written is a seven-fold glorification of Christ himself. That has not be, been completely accomplished yet because there are still enemies that have not yet been put down. When they're all put down, then... uh the glorification of Christ, will have been completely accomplished, okay? So Christ's exhortation is set forth first. There are also three other examples given. There's the Apostle Paul, and then there's Timothy, and then Epaphroditus. And we've looked at all those uh, in (laughs) <laughs> rapid succession, it seems to me. may not seem rapid to you, but uh, since I'm right in the middle of it here every week, uh, it feels like we're going so quickly through this letter. I wish we could slow things down a lot. Slow motion would be great if we could just make that happen somehow. So reviewing then, what about Christ's emptying? What did Christ willingly give up uh, in heaven when he accepted the challenge of the incarnation right what did he give up well uh, there were seven aspects to it we we looked at those first of all he made himself of no reputation by the way i'm reminding you of all this because we have to have this in mind or uh, truly the mind of christ will not have any meaning for us right is that's what the expression refers to. Christ's giving up of so much. He didn't give up everything when he became incarnate, but he gave up much of what was rightfully his, right? Only to, of course, receive back what was rightfully his later at the resurrection and uh, then the ascension and finally at his great victory over every enemy, which is yet future, So first of all, he made himself of no reputation. Then he took the form of a servant. Number three, he was made in the likeness of men. Number four, he was found in fashion as a man. Number five, he humbled himself. Number six, he became obedient unto death. Number seven, even the death of the cross. The death of the cross um, and the shame of that, according to Hebrews chapter 12, was very, very great indeed. But for the joy set before him, he endured even the death of the cross. Okay, And everything he gave up, uh, it was all for the joy set before him. And that's something we really must uh, always keep in mind. There are seven aspects to his glorification as well that are listed there. We looked at this already. The name above every name, every knee shall bow, things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Seven areas of glorification, right? So Christ gave up what was rightly his and regained what was rightly his. Paul, on the other hand, who set forth as our example, he gave up what was not rightly his, since he had gained it all through the flesh, as it were, carnally, in a human sense, right? But he regained also all that was not rightly his, but only by the grace of God was it given again. Well, again, not... Not uh, from our perspective here reading in the letter do we see it all provided because, as we'll see today, there were certain things uh, in Paul's life that were yet future, and he had an expectation. And that's really the main thing we want to focus on today, right? Not so much uh, uh, what he had already attained, but what he would, he hoped, uh, in his Life as it progressed onwards towards that ultimate concluding point. Um, So, we're going to look at what he gave up and then what he expected to gain. This will be in parallel to Christ. There are seven things, again, that Paul reveals as uh, things he left behind willingly in order to receive the seven uh, aspects that are then listed there in this portion of scripture we're looking at today. Um, this is just an amazing structure to this letter, the seven four four sevens, right? Two relating to Christ, two relating to Paul, seven in each case. Okay, we last time we we, we saw that uh <clears throat> Paul gave up much and the listing of those seven things we looked at already And uh, I'll just list them now so that you remember. First of all, was circumcised the eighth day. Secondly, of the stock of Israel. Thirdly, of the tribe of Benjamin. Fourthly, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. See, he gave up all of these things so that they didn't count to him any longer. They no longer had value. Uh, He couldn't give up the fact that he was a Jew and of what sort he was, but he cast aside the value of that in his life. So he no longer presented himself as a Pharisee, for example. It says the fifth point as touching the law, a Pharisee. The sixth point concerning zeal, persecuting the church. And the seventh point as touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So Paul willingly gave up all of these things. They no longer counted for him. So he didn't present himself as the great Pharisee who kept the law in all of its infinite details as the the rules of the Pharisees had required of him. No, uh, it's just the opposite. In fact, he writes very, very much in his letters about the law and how that has been set aside and it's not the righteousness of the law any longer that he glories in but the righteousness given by Christ himself that he glories in so it is his righteousness that is is for him the great great value so paul now when he gives this list, he looks back in a sort of a dramatic way. And I think it's a way for us uh, uh, to begin to grasp on to how much he had attained in his life at a young age. And uh, any of us who have attained much and have given that up for the sake of Christ knows something about what Paul is talking about here. Um, but even if we haven't gained... Like he gained, it's still a challenge to us to give up that which is purely, uh, due to our human efforts in this life. And that may be great. You may consider it such. Others may or maybe not. Maybe we're not, uh, in that position in life, right? But in whatever condition we're in, uh, what Paul writes here is relevant as we shall see because he uses In reference to these things, the words confidence in the flesh, right? Philippians 3, 4, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, (laughs) if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more, right? That's the way he introduces the sevens, uh, the seven values he was willing so freely to give up for the sake of Christ. So confidence in the flesh is the language used. And I think all of us should be able to identify with that. It's the nature uh, that came upon humanity from Adam, right? The sin nature that every one descendant of Adam possesses. And that nature uh, lives in the realm of self Awareness and self-confidence, okay? So we all are in the same position in that regard, right? And it it extends to every area of life. Unbelievers don't know anything else. They have much confidence in the flesh. In their case, it may be uh, religiously, for example, right? And they may feel like they are very good people or If not that great, at least good enough, if there is a God, he surely would be willing to accept them. But that is uh, the very thing Paul is writing about here. We carry on, even as believers, confidence in the flesh. That needs to be dealt with, and that's what he is writing about here. So, if we consider that list of what Paul was willing to give up, we sort of have an extreme comparison right because what he had accomplished was so great in fact he was and i, I don't think uh, this can be challenged paul he was still saul at that time he hadn't had his name changed but saul was the greatest teacher in israel and even gamaliel apparently had uh, recognized that now gamaliel had been the greatest teacher, but he was Paul's teacher. And so uh, great teachers pass on the mantle to uh, students, right? That's the nature of this uh, human uh, realm, to do that. Uh, Okay, so Paul gave the whole thing up. He didn't retain any of it, and he did it willingly by virtue of what Christ had accomplished for him in philippians 3 7 he says sort of in a general sense what things were gained to me those i counted loss for christ you see how complete this uh statement is it applies to every aspect of life paul's listed the great accomplishments there must have been many more right he, he could have been listing accomplishments that he previously considered gain for himself, he could be listing that uh, those things forever, right, and never run out of them, <laughs> because the human mind uh, is devious and, uh, and easily exalts itself, right? But he said he, for the sake of Christ, he counted them loss. Now, this is not a matter of ethics or morality. You don't see him here writing about that. You don't see him here writing about all the things he didn't do. (laughs) You see him here writing about all the things he did do, all all, all of the things he did, presumably thinking he was uh, pleasing his God, right? And yet he did not know the true God at all. Okay, so this is not a matter of ethics or morality. In fact, uh, it's way above that. It's a matter of calling It's a matter of what is our calling. Paul had gone from one who had the human calling uh, to one who had uh, the divine calling, and it made all the difference. Okay. Now, when you look at the sevenfold gains, what did Paul gain by giving up all of that, right? Uh, The list, again, it's sevenfold, and that's what we want to look at now. The excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Number one. Number two, found in Him, not having the righteousness of the law. Number three, that I may know Him. Number four, the power of His resurrection. Number five, the fellowship of His sufferings. Number six, the conformity unto His death. And number seven, the resurrection from the dead, or as I would like to expand upon that translation just a little, the because the word for resurrection there is different than you see in most places. So let's just say the out-resurrection, out from among dead ones, okay? It's a special resurrection he's writing about here. Okay, um, those are the seven excellencies, the seven ways in which paul saw christ working in his life and uh, how he would glorify god in all of these ways right um well these comparisons you know between christ and ourselves between paul and ourselves are great and cause us to in our minds really expand far beyond where we normally might be thinking okay so I don't want you to be overwhelmed by the comparisons. They're great, yes, but um, these comparisons and these contrasts are given in order to uh, cause in us, by the power of God, a change (laughs) to conform our thinking to that of Christ Jesus. That's really the purpose for which Paul writes here. So let's look at these verses, verses 8 through 11 in philippians 3. first of all just read the verses and then we'll we'll go along and look at them one by one verse eight yea doubtless and i count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of christ jesus my lord for whom i've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that i may win christ and be found in him By any means I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Philippians 3, verses 8 through 11. It's with these words that Paul sets forth his witness uh, to the very mind, the very thinking of our Lord Jesus Christ as he finds it in himself. Okay? So what's the outline today? Well, we're looking at Paul's witness and the the glory of it all. And we see that his sacrifice was great indeed. His strong desire is to be our high example. His life's contrasts are to be ours too. And finally, this knowledge comes only with great suffering. And then to win. That's the word he uses, to win. Christ was Paul's supreme hope. Was not guaranteed, and I think that this is uh, at the heart of the letter to Philippians. Uh, you may have missed this all along and not realized that what Paul is focused on here, very much so, is experience. There are other letters where Paul focuses on. Uh, what we have been given by christ what every believer therefore possesses right unquestionably possesses there's no question about any of it for example the resurrection we're all promised the resurrection but there will be differences at the time of the resurrection differences between believers and paul teaches that in his letters and we may have Missed that altogether. I hope not, but that's really at the heart of what Paul is writing here. Okay, so this letter is very much about experience and how our lives are to be lived. And we have great examples. First of all, Christ, and then Paul himself, right? Okay, so reading these verses we're supposed to have a hope in our hearts that's that's in that's strengthened that we might also enter in fully into all that god is doing under grace and not just be kind of sidelined living on the sidelines so so many people uh don't see it this way i'm not questioning whether they're believers or not i mean the, they they believe that they've gained eternity. Their sins have been paid for. And now they live in the world just as if they're an unsaved person. Not that they dwell in the realm of evil. They don't, right? They dwell in the realm of what seems good. But they have no awareness of the magnitude of the grace of God and how he wants to work in and through us to make us the lights that we should be so uh, they live a moral life but it's not a spiritual life and we have to be able to understand the difference between these or we're missing out on what, uh, most of what god is doing today in this world i mean once we're saved there'd be no reason to go on and live uh, apart from this right <laughs> it would make much more sense to transfer us directly into heaven at that point In in this life altogether, unless God has something more here. And he wants to use us in this something more, okay? Which is the whole point of this letter. Okay, so first of all, the sacrifice of Paul was great indeed. (laughs) He says... uh, quite a bit about that here, but I want us to start with Roy reading that. It's kind of a long sentence and it's a very powerful one. Roy, would you please read Philippians chapter 3, verse 8?
1: Yet they doubtless I count on all things but for the loss of excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus not Lord, For who. Whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them, but during that I may win Christ.
0: Okay, so <clears throat> Paul says, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. Okay, this is talking about Paul's life okay it's not talking about the moment of saving faith (laughs) he's talking about now his life okay how was he being motivated for what was he striving right What, what what were the ultimate challenges in his life and uh there's nothing here again about morality because uh, when these things are in the center of our minds and hearts, when the the mind of Christ uh, is uh, working in us, the morality part is just so, so simple uh, and so easy. Uh, but the challenges then are spiritual on other planes, okay? So he says here, For whom I suffered the loss of all things and do count them, but dung that I may win Christ. Um, Later, he's going to give an example of some who opposed him. What were they opposing him for? Uh, For his stand on grace and the law, right? That's why they opposed him. They were proponents of the law. And uh, Paul was a proponent of grace, right? Then he says, just with these few words here at the end of that verse, that, in other words, in order that I may win Christ. Hmm. Interesting language. Seems to be some question in Paul's mind about whether he will succeed in all of this. Hmm. There's no question about his salvations. He has never been challenged uh, in any of his writings he was not in any way doubtful about that he knew his eternity would be in heaven's glory with his blessed lord the question is a different one uh as we shall see and this is going to take us a couple of uh, lessons to get through because there is indeed deep teaching here in these verses okay so In verse 8, he says, I count all things but loss. And then he says, I do count them but done. In other words, there were challenges. There were challenges in Paul's life. And those challenges he considered potentially to stand in the way of Christ's work in and through him. Now, he was declared to be and set forth by the Lord to be the apostle of the Gentiles, right? That was a title. It was a position. It was a, an office, as it were. Apostle of the Gentiles. <clears throat> I don't think Paul is talking about losing that position, but he's talking about here very dramatically using the word dung there or refuse, right? Uh, that, uh, it was possible for him to fail to live up to the standard that Christ had for him in this life, right? Uh, now, that may sound so absolute and so idealistic to you that you may be tuning out. I, I I, really hope not, because really what Paul is writing is for each of us believers. He uses this language, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Every believer has knowledge of Christ. Not all have The knowledge paul is writing about here the excellency of the knowledge of christ jesus well what would it be to have this knowledge (laughs) well uh there's much that could be said about that and paul writes about it in many of his letters so we're just kind of looking at one here primarily in these days but uh there's so much more and we will get to some of them later at the end there i want uh patty to read from second corinthians which uh will certainly uh show us what paul writes in that letter and it's all about the same theme as we're reading about here okay so the excellency of the knowledge of christ jesus now he goes on and As I said at the end of the sentence, in order that I may win Christ. Okay, so this was Paul's great desire. The strong desire of the apostle was that he would win Christ. It's not a bad translation, okay? Because here again, Paul is using the illustration of running a race. And uh, I didn't... in my youth, ever get that involved in sports. <clears throat> I did race a little uh, in the swimming pool and on the field, and I was pretty good at it, not great, pretty good. Uh Was a winner on occasion, right? But um, you know, <laughs> I, I was not a winner, as many were. But what Paul is saying here is that he wants to be a winner. <laughs> he wants to run this race. And he wants to finish the race well. And, you know, we've looked at other scriptures before. In fact, it's been a major focus uh over uh, the last few years as we've uh, looked at the long war against God, especially when we looked at the Apostle Paul as apostle to the Gentiles, right? That he would win Christ. That was the strong desire of his heart. Uh, the question would be, was this a goal Paul had um for each moment that he would be winning Christ in each moment or only as the uh the reckoning was done in other words, once his life was finished, well, he writes about it as uh in both ways right it, it, the desire of his heart was to be a winner <laughs> in other words, to be running this race well always right. But then when he reached the end of it, which for him was martyrdom, right? Then at the judgment seat of Christ, right, he would be so judged, right? Uh, and instead of wood, hay, and stubble, there would be what? Precious stones, gold, silver, and so forth, right? As it were, using that analogy with with things in this life. Okay, so so... Well, that's really uh, where Paul had uh, his heart. His heart was set forth on a certain goal, uh, and that motivated him each step of the way. Notice that Christ's heart was the same. When he was in heaven's glory before the incarnation, he was looking forward to the goal. It was for Hebrews chapter 12, it was for the joy Set before him. Well, the cross wasn't joy. The cross was great sorrow and suffering. Indeed, it was what would be accomplished as a result of his finished work. That's what he was motivated by. Okay. So similarly for the Apostle Paul, and that should be for us as well, should be our high example. Okay, let's go on um, beyond... Uh, This verse uh, number eight to verse number nine, uh, where we see that the life's contrasts that Paul expresses are to be ours as well. So, Lisa, would you please read for us Philippians chapter three, verse nine
2: and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith.
0: Thank you, Lisa. Now, I've been applying these, of course, to us. Um, He's not mentioning there that his example ought to be ours as well and all that. That that has come up earlier in the letter and will be really emphasized a little bit later. But when we read these verses, we need to understand he's talking about his example for us. We're to take this ourselves. he's not only talking about himself. if that were the case uh, you could read this a few times and say oh that's interesting my <laughs> but uh, there's nothing here relevant for my own life. Well it's uh, certainly to the contrary right It's all relevant to our own lives. He says to be found in him <laughs> well that goes with winning right? When he, he is finally judged, he wanted uh, it to be revealed that when his life was tested in all of its uh, different dimensions, that uh, it was found not to be that which reflected his own righteousness, which would have been of the law, right? But rather that which was through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith okay um paul had thought that he was blameless according to the law as the pharisees considered that okay they had their rules and their principles and their regulations and paul lived up to them it was all based upon the flesh the human self uh glorification (laughs) which was very much at work there right uh I don't believe he ever thought he was perfect, that he thought he was God or anything of the sort. It's just that he had lived up to the standards that uh, applied as far as he understood them. Okay? But of course, he had great blindness for the truth that the Lord then removed in due time. Okay? So that's uh, that. Uh, We see that uh, there are these great, great contrasts uh, between. what was the case and then what was the, what had come to be reality for the apostle and we're supposed to see ourselves in the same light what were we right and what now is god accomplishing through us right what are we now right um and and is it by faith or is it by the works of law where do we stand that's the question okay Now, that's all going to be revealed someday. God has it in the book, right? He knows exactly. Uh, But we ourselves are often uh, somewhat blinded regarding it. Okay, going on, verse number 10. Here we see that this excellent knowledge of Christ, and this is really where the rubber meets the road, by the way. He says, this knowledge comes only with great suffering. Hmm, Nobody wants to hear it. But this is the reality of it. Verse number 10. Uh, Linda, would you please read that for us?
3: That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death.
0: Thank you, Linda. OK, so. <laughs> rubber meets the road, indeed, in every sense of the word, um, Everyone wants life to be more than easy, really, really uh, comfortable, Um, and uh, that's what our human nature wants, wants life to be very, very comfortable, and we work very hard towards that goal, and we sacrifice very much for it. well, Paul had a different mindset about all of this because it was the knowledge of Christ Jesus in this more excellent way that he desired, right? But how could he know him in this more excellent way? And He says here how? He says it would be the power of his resurrection which would distinguish this special knowledge, Okay. And that, he says, it would be in the realm of suffering and in the fellowship or sharing in his sufferings. And then those words, being made conformable unto his death. It's these words, it's this verse, uh, as much as any of the others here that we were looking at today, which we have to come back and look at again next time. Uh, because this is really where the depth of the teaching is. Paul says that the glories will come only after the suffering. Now, you know that was true for Christ, right? First the sufferings, then the glory. That's what was said there on the on the uh, uh, road to Emmaus when Christ appeared to those two disciples. He so said, "You don't know the scriptures." <laughs> right first the suffering then the glory the glory isn't going to come without the sufferings right uh and uh that was true for christ and it is true for us okay uh if we consider it the special sense in which paul is writing here to know christ in a more excellent way all right you will not know him in a more excellent way apart from as he says here, grasping unto power. And this is the power of the resurrection, but resurrection only occurs after suffering and death, right? It's in that order. It's not in the other order. In fact, I, I hear many believers <laughs> talking or teaching, in fact, uh, as if it's the other way around, Right. You ask for something, God gives you the great glory that you 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 asked of Him, and then hey, you uh, you use that for Him, right? Uh, without the suffering, uh, somehow that is left out. Uh, but we see here that the order is first the sufferings and then the glory, and that's a fundamental principle of Scripture, right? He says that I may know him, meaning now in this new way, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, of course, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Ah, my, my. Heavy teaching, isn't it? Uh, but teaching that draws us in our spirits to him. Uh, I remember so well the first time I was ever drawn by these words. I remember it so well. And uh, it was in a meeting in the evening at uh, the West Bray Bible Church in Berkeley, California, of all places. Right. But that's where the Lord had taken us and it. Was used by the Lord to change our lives dramatically uh, during those couple of years and uh, I remember the the preacher was a preacher from um, Virginia uh, who had come all the way to California to speak that week each evening and on sunday morning and and so it was right and his message was a message not for unbelievers but a message for believers and uh the message was a great message and the these words uh and their power struck home and not only with me but also with Patty at the same time and we're never going to forget that and uh, I mean even in eternity we're going to be thanking the lord for it right changed our whole course in life we were both saved uh, at a young age but this was uh what uh not two decades later, but nearly right, so the power of these words is great they're to draw us into the sphere of excellent knowledge, okay, uh he mentions the fellowship of his suffering, hmm, this isn't talking about in heaven's glory but now, right. Um, the fellowship of his suffering means a sharing in it well that means that christ is still still suffering today and uh, you know, many teachers say that it's impossible but paul knew it uh, on the road to damascus what did christ say to him he said uh, that he was persecuting him right he thought he was persecuting believers and Christ said, You're persecuting me, right? Me, I'm suffering. In other words, uh, uh, Paul, you need to uh, realize what's really going on here is far different than you thought, right? And then he says, Conformity to his death. Um, th- that means in this life, we're to have our lives transformed uh, to be <laughs> what? To be in conformity, I like the word to be in conformity to Christ's own death, remember he gave up everything for the sake of the joy that was set before him, and so it's in this sense uh we we give up our lives literally it may may lead to martyrdom, we don't know that, but we give up our lives for the sake of Christ. It's that profound. Oh, so whatever the circumstances are in life, there, for Paul says we are empowered to live above them, right? So that the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Now this is available for every believer. Not every believer walks in this path, but the opportunity is there, right? So it's not a matter of law-keeping, but law-transcending, really, Uh, far beyond the requirements of any law, Moses or otherwise, right? Even the law of the kingdom, far beyond that, uh, is this realm of grace where we live today, right? Well, Paul finally gets to the last point. We're going to... uh, Begin here next time, but uh, I I want us to read that last verse. So, Charlie, please read for us Philippians three eleven.
1: If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead.
0: Okay, thank you, Charlie. Now, don't please don't jump to conclusions and. Consider that Paul is saying here that his own resurrection is in question. No, he's talking about winning Christ in the whole section, right? He's talking about running the race properly. He's talking about reaching the goal post or the wire at the end of a running race, right? Uh And being declared a winner. That's what he's talking about. so paul sought this with all of his life and as i said at the beginning we could translate this word for resurrection the out resurrection or the in fact he even says the the resurrection out from among dead ones as it were by implication Uh, in other words distinguished in a special way now there's no question at least i don't think there should be that Many who are truly saved, and I don't question their salvation, but I, they're living in the realm of the world and in the realm of dead things, right? <laughs> and And they're spending their lives there, okay? But the things of this world are passing away. Now, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, then you need to rest in this teaching and enjoy it, right? We have to to know what Paul is writing about here. It's absolutely incumbent upon us that much that one might dedicate oneself to to the exclusion of the glory of the Lord, right, will just be passing away to nothing, right? Now, I'm not saying you need to join a monastery or something like that. Taking yourself out of this world, what I'm saying is that in this world, where we find ourselves and where we are living in it, we're absolutely not to be of it, okay We're not to be worldly, in other words. the option is there to be worldly <laughs> till the Lord finally intersects with your life and shows you otherwise, right. But uh, I'd like Patty to read. We're going to start here next time. But these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 are so, so wonderful. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 6 through 11, where Paul's writing about this very thing that he's been writing about here in Philippians 3.
3: For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh.
0: Okay, thank you. So those words should be drawing your spirits now. uh. Into the realm Paul is writing about, right? Uh, sharing together in the dying of the Lord that we may share together in his life, right? His resurrection quality of life. We'll start there next time. I'm going to conclude today, though, just by reading words from a song. <laughs> this is one of my favorite songs. Uh The author and singer, unfortunately, as far as I can tell, he's turned off uh, the path uh, in his later years but um, when he wrote the words for this song refiner's fire he was right on point here <laughs> with paul and what paul has written and we've just read together i'm reading the words there from refiner's fire there burns a fire with sacred heat white hot with holy flame and all who air pass through its blaze will not emerge the same some as bronze and some as silver some as gold then with great skill all are hammered by their sufferings on the anvil of his will the refiner's fire has now become my soul's desire purged and cleansed and purified that the lord be glorified he is consuming my soul refining me, making me whole. No matter what I may lose, I choose the refiner's fire. In the second, second stanza, I'm learning now to trust his touch, to crave the fire's embrace. For though my past with sin was edged, his mercies did erase Each time his purging cleanses deeper, I'm not sure that I'll survive. Yet the strength in growing weaker keeps my hungry soul alive. The refiner's fire has now become my soul's desire. Purged and cleansed and purified, that the Lord be glorified. He is consuming my soul, refining me making me whole, no matter what I may lose, I choose the refiner's fire. Well, final words. Is the love of Christ enough? For the Apostle Paul, it was enough. He cast off every worldly accomplishment for the sake of Christ and because of his great love, he chose the refiners fire praise the lord for his example and even more so for christ's own amen well are there any uh, questions or comments before we close today
2: hi jim um thank you for the teaching and i was going to say that the verse that you had me read um i really like that verse verse nine uh You taught me about a year or two ago um about the importance of this verse, and it says to be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law that um that those words just kind of jumped off the page at me that how the Bible defines itself, and it says that um that mine own righteousness is actually of the law that that's a, a, mm-hmm. a verse there to understand
0: amen uh yeah, we need to learn it well, don't we, Lisa? Right. Because <laughs> we keep forgetting for a while. Uh, but not doctrinally, we don't forget that, I hope. Uh, any other comments this morning?
1: Hi, Jim, this is Lewis. Louis. I'm going to comment on the uh, verses 8. It's mm-hmm. interesting that and Paul lists all his accomplishments. And uh he said he count those nothing but done. Mm-hmm. That's in King James translation. Yes. The fascinating part of this word done in Greek is actually talking about dogs dispense. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So I remember last week you were talking about the verses two: beware of dogs, beware of the evil workers. Mm-hmm. And we touched upon that a little bit. But it's interesting that this word done in the verse eight is actually pointing to dog, so in a way, on the surface, it's not just about all his accomplishments he actually characterized on purpose they are also part of sort of kind of like related to dog and evil things. He really did not consider that anything positive <laughs> I found it <that> fascinating.
0: <laughs> right um well uh sure Um uh, you know figurative language is um uh, very uh powerful right it's a way of communicating so much because people know all about these things right so things that are thrown to the dogs I think that's what you're referring to there <laughs> uh they're not considered valuable enough to keep right like what the scraps from the table for example right um but, uh, you know, to consider that, uh, our lives here are like that unless we've given them over to the Lord for His glory and, and to do so with the proper motive, right? And uh, the proper, uh, uh, source of, uh, uh, power. So really it is a response to the love of Christ, right? the love of christ constraineth us paul also writes in that letter right amen any other comments these are good comments okay well let's let's go to the lord in thanksgiving and prayer father god thank you for blessing us with your word and uh, may it be written on our hearts increasingly day by day father as we redeem the time because otherwise of course the days are evil and so may the opportunities of each day father be opportunities for honoring and glorifying you father and we would ask that in christ's name and amen. amen amen